Now, you can see the uh, title of this particular message is uh, Misinformation, Disinformation. I was going to write iCloud's Judgment, but I, I didn't want to be dorky, you know, you know, kind of. Uh, but that's basically what happens. There is misinformation, disinformation, and um, it clouds our judgment. Folks, since we have... Uh, we are in this age, we, we get quick, unreliable information all the time thrown at us. It, it comes uh, faster and faster. It, it's incumbent upon us. It's important for us to have biblical discernment when we're listening to all of this airwaves and, uh, and noise waves that come our way. We need to wade through the pros and cons of the information that is supplied to us. And it's supplied to us on a daily basis, and, and it comes in in so many different ways. I know some of you, I, I don't know anyone in particular, but I know some of you, the first thing you do when you wake up is to turn your phone on and to look at Facebook or to look, look at the news page or all of this kind of stuff. I, I know there are some of you out there, not anybody that I would know in particular, but there are some of you that may even listen to rumors, gossip that come your way. Um, some of you uh, read blogs, and you may get some information from a blog about certain things that are going on. Newscasts, all kinds of info come your way, and it, it almost seems like a bombardment of this information. Do you know, in Jesus' day, it, it really was not much different. Uh, yes, the amount of information that was coming the way of the people there uh, was certainly not what we have but it was both good and it was both bad information in some cases. Um, someone's way is, is different, um, but let's, let's, let's listen to what they have to say, and, and we want to make sure that we judge it properly. We want to judge by what they're saying. Compare it with the scriptures whenever we're listening to these kinds of things. Friends, if I may say this, and I know you've heard it before, we often must discern between fact news and uh, what is called today fake news. And it's coming at you, lots of it, lots of it. Somebody uh, asked me the other day about Ukraine, and are we getting the right kind of information out of Ukraine? Are we hearing the right kind of things from our news reporters? You see, people even doubt what they hear in the news. That kind of thing. Now, if you were in, in Ukraine, speaking of Ukraine, some of the information that you may receive there is life-saving information. Go here, you can get prescription drugs. Go here, you can get food. Those kinds of things. And in some cases, it may send you to a concentration camp in Russia. So you don't know who you're going to believe and who are you going to be able to trust. But I'd like to do some defining of those terms that I used there. Misinformation is false information spread regardless of the intent. It may not be that they have an intent to, to uh, display wrong information. They just may have heard it incorrectly. Uh, they may um, uh, be, it's like uh, playing telephone. Do you ever play telephone? By the fourth person, the message is changed. Okay, and you may have some of that that goes on, and you, and you hear those kinds of things. So we, we need to understand misinformation is incorrect information 
But it is spread nevertheless, even though it's incorrect information. I, I, I want to give them the, uh, I, I guess, giving them the, 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 the idea that I'm going to let them make mistakes. They can make mistakes. But when I hear something, I don't automatically believe it. I've been sitting behind my desk for a long time, and I hear things about one person saying something about the other person. You know, you get a husband-wife relationship, you know, and you hear one say about the, the other one. The other one's not there. And I, I always think in my mind, the first to plead his case sounds just until another comes and examines him. That's, that's in the back of my mind. I don't know that what I'm hearing here is actually true. And I have to keep that in mind. Sometimes we even mishear. I, I can remember a time we were in our backyard, and my wife said something. I said, no, she couldn't have said that. So I said, could, could you please repeat that? Because I, I heard something totally different, and it was off the wall, what I heard. And, and it was on the wall when, when she said it. <laughs> it was right. It was OK. I could listen to it. And so we have these kinds of situations where information is passed on from one to another. And we actually have to find out, is this misinformation? And in some cases, there's disinformation. Let me talk about disinformation for a while. That is false information. That is false information for a purpose. There could be a multitude of reasons why. They, they manipulate facts. They mislead in some way. They have biased information that they want you to believe, so they give you that information. Disinformation can destroy a nation, an economy, or a person. Disinformation is often used as part of a playbook the playbook of war, and it's called propaganda. And you listen to that propaganda, it can spread disharmony among the troops or it can cause disharmony among the people. And, and therefore, you're able to overtake your enemy because of the disinformation that you spread. Disinformation can be used to even win elections. Not that I would know of any, but they can be even used to win elections. Yeah, I once ran for the class president in the eighth grade, and they said some things about me that were, no, <laughs> disinformation. <clears throat> this is where the individual, that's you and me, must be keeping the sources of that information under scrutiny. We must be seeing, is this person generally a, a truth teller? Is this person generally one that knows what is right and wrong? I need to keep that in my mind whenever I'm listening to something. In the church, that is what we do as believers. We need to be rightly dividing the word. Unlike, okay, folks, the journalists that we have in our nation today that do a terrible job. And I hope you understand that. What you hear in the news is not always fact news. It's sometimes fake news. The elders of Grace Church, to some degree, are on the front line trying to protect the, the people of Jesus Christ from the disinformation that you may hear from others. And there's so much of it out there. I, I, I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that comes out on blogs and, and all this other stuff. And I, and I go, wait a minute, that's not true. If we measure it against God's word, it cannot be true. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. We will get to, to the Sermon on the Mount. It, it tells us there to examine everything. 
in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. But the, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, guess where we are, folks? We're in the latter times. We're experiencing that right now. That It says here that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Folks, this is a warning against apostasy. This is a warning that even in the church of Jesus Christ, that apostasy may come. Now, Paul, when he's saying goodbye to the uh, Ephesian church, and he's speaking to the elders there, he's warning them that there are savage wolves among you. Now, I'm not saying that there are any here at Grace Church, but it could be that there are people there that are not the Lord's, and we have to be careful. And that's why you have to know this to be able to help yourself when you're listening to things. Is that true? Is that right? Is that God speaking there, or is that the person speaking there? And so that's the, that's the warning that I want to put out there for you. Because you know what? You may not always be at Grace Church. You may be sent away to Twisted Twig, Ohio. And I don't know of any good pastors there. I don't know of any good churches there. But you need to be able to discern what is good and what isn't good. Matter of fact, I sit down with anybody who announces to me that they're going to go move. Let's go find you a church. And I, I look for a TMS grad, somebody that I know first. <laughs> And then I, after that, I can't find any. And there's a TMS grad I don't know. I said, I don't know him. So you have to be able to discern whether he's teaching truth or not. Because just because you graduated from TMS doesn't mean that you will be teaching truth. Friends, whether it is misinformation or disinformation, you as a believer must examine the scriptures to, to know whether they are true. To, to be able to know what that information is true or not. You cannot, and please don't, don't ever do this, say to your pastor, but that's what you get paid for. Oh, folks, you're the church. You better know. You better have a rich understanding of God's word. Don't say tomorrow when it comes to reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures. Don't say tomorrow because manana may come and manana may not be there for you to take, to, to take a hold of what uh, you have to do with a, an argument on scripture or something. This is what I'd like to hear, the description that the Bereans um, were given uh, by Paul. And he says this in Acts 17, don't need to turn there, for they received the word with great eagerness... They wanted to hear it. Oh, about you, but I love hearing it. I love Pastor John preaching on Friday night. I just love hearing the word of God. Examine the scriptures daily so to see whether these things were so. They examined them. They, they took the, the word that was preached and they took it to task with the scriptures and said, okay, is this so? Here we are about to enter into the seventh chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. I got to tell you, this is, this is a pivotal chapter in all of the scriptures. Folks, I know I say that about everything I preach, but this is a pivotal chapter. We're going to tackle some of the most delicate and some of the most decisive scriptures about the gospel in your own heart.
and in your own life. That's what it's about. It's about the gospel. Do I truly have an understanding of the gospel so that I may walk with the Lord forever? And that's what this chapter is going to do. It's going to be dividing those people between those who want to go the wide road and those who want to go the narrow road, those who want the good fruit and those who want the bad fruit. It's going to go on and on and on until it leads to that that pivotal verse there in 721 and says, I never knew you. That's scary. That's scary. You could be in church for all these years and I never knew you. You don't want to hear those words. The emphasis of this chapter is on judgment. Folks, it's on the judgment of God, not the judgment of Bill Shannon, the elders of Grace Church, or anybody else. The judgment of God. The warnings that are here should have a profound impact on our lives. Some of the things in this chapter may be especially challenging and and at the same time may be especially frightening. Because I know some of you, and I know some of you are going to sit back and say, am I really saved? I've had that happen in my office. I can't tell you how many times some people have been here for 20 years. Pastor, do you think I'm saved? I said, I, I, I don't know. Let's look at fruit. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. I always jokingly say, I wish there was a big E on your back that says elect, you know, but, you know, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So let's look at our passage for today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And uh, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to come back to it, and we're going to try to uncover what uh, our Lord is saying here. It says, Do not judge, so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it would be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Whoa. In the introduction, I gave you some definitions and things like that, things to, to keep in your heart and mind in there. I want you to make sure you have those definitions, misinformation and disinformation. But here's one more. One more definition that you need to have. Judgment. What is this? Judgment. Judgment is the passing of a sentence on someone else on their attitude, on their words, on their actions, whatever it is. You're passing judgment on this other person. You do it all the time. You do it all the time. You're watching people the way they act, the, the, what they say. You're passing a judgment on them. So this doesn't mean not to do that. It just says to be careful when you do that. Judgment is, is passing a sentence on whether the information you're receiving, is it misinformation, disinformation, or truth? Is that really the person? Is that who they are? Is that the way they act all the time? 
So you're making a judgment of when you see certain things. And reading Pastor John's commentary this week for the first time in this particular passage here, he said this, and I thought it was profound. And I'm not doing that just to keep my job, okay? (laughs) I thought it was profound. He said this, quote, when an individual or group of people develop their own standards, listen to that. When an individual or group of people develop their own standards of religion or morality, they inevitably judge everyone by those self-made beliefs and standards. Be careful. Be careful. You may be judging others by a standard that's way up here and you're not even living it. Because what, when you do it, it's a mistake. Oh, I really didn't know. Or you don't even see it, which is even worse. Don't be judging others, those self-made beliefs and standards. In Jesus' day, the self-righteous Pharisee did that all the time. He gave judgments all the time. You know, the Pharisee that goes to the temple and he goes there to pray. He says, oh, Lord, what I've done here, I've given tithes, I've done this, I've done that. Oh, look at that guy over there. And what is he doing? He's beating his breast saying he's not worthy to even come before God. And that self-righteous Pharisee is blind. He's got the piece of wood in his eye and he can't see correctly. He's wanting to pick out that other guy and what he doesn't do and how he doesn't give and how he doesn't um, give all of these religious acts to be found worthy. In Jesus' day, the self-righteous Pharisee gives that judgment on all that is religious according to his standard, their standard. We have religious bloggers today that give judgment based on their standard, not God's standard, not on real knowledge. Maybe it's misinformation, maybe it's disinformation, but that's what they do. Years ago, I met a man here at Grace Community Church. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I asked this man about his spiritual gift. There's a reason I asked him about his spiritual gift. I've never asked any of you about your spiritual gift. Never. In 40 years of being here at Grace Church, I've never asked anybody, what's your spiritual gift, except this one man. There's a reason I did that. Here's his answer. It shocked me when he answered it this way. He says, I have the gift of criticism. (laughs) Now you know why I asked him. Because he criticized the uh, choir robes. He criticized the carpet. He criticized the walls. He criticized Clayton Herb's mustache. I mean, whatever it is. (laughs) He criticized everything. So I I had to ask him, so what's your your spiritual gift? And he actually answered it the way, wow, that's interesting. (laughs) My friends, this man had a heart of condemnation. This man had a heart of condemnation, desiring to find even the smallest mistake that somebody made. Make a big deal about it. 
make a big deal about it and, and talk about it and, 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 and just tell everybody, look what I've seen. And, and he did some things that I, you, you wouldn't even believe. Talk to women about the way they dressed. You don't have the right to do that. He talked to men about the way they dressed. You don't have the right to do that. He was merciless. Even as terrible as that is, that is not exactly what Jesus is speaking about here. What Jesus is condemning, I want to make sure that this is clear, he is condemning a hypercritical spirit of the person who continues to find fault with others. He doesn't give up on finding fault with others. He keeps judging them, keeps judging them, keeps judging them. They spot others' faults. They have a, what I call spiritual x-ray vision, but are unable to see their own faults, their own inconsistencies, their own failures. They declare to this person, uh, you're not like me. You're not like me. If only you were as holy as I am. Mm. Folks, could you imagine that person standing before the judge of heaven? You're not as holy as I am, is what they're going to hear. Jesus is here in Matthew 7.1, and he says this, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Do not judge does not mean this. Do not think. Do not judge does not mean do not think. How do we know that? Well, let's go back to Matthew 6.34. It says, do not worry. In other words, there it says, don't have a negative attitude towards your personal affairs. That's what it means there, is to not have a negative attitude towards your personal affairs. You are going to have trouble in this world, folks. Embrace it. Thank God for it, as we went through Philippians last week. That's what you do. You say, thank you, God, giving that to me, because it's going to be used by you. We, we just heard about a dear friend who had diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer. Embrace it. It's not easy. Embrace it. God's going to use it. Use it for you and use it for others. Give him glory through it. But right there in the next verse, Jesus says this, do not judge. In other, in other words, Jesus is telling them not to have a negative attitude towards others. My attitude towards you, my attitude towards my neighbor who's not a believer, my attitude towards the grocery store clerk, my attitude towards the guy who's driving that car who just cut me off. It's not to judge them. They didn't see me. They didn't know that that was my road. <laughs> That's the way you have to look at it, folks. They're just living this life like you are. They're not trying to run you off the road. At least I don't think. Depends upon what you did before that. <laughs> Jesus is pointing out that a critical spirit is a condemning spirit. I, I got to tell you, folks, that's a dark spirit. To be a person who's always condemning others 
is a dark place to be. You don't want to be there. Now, I said before that this judging it doesn't mean never to judge. And I can point out, even through Scripture right here, look at verse 6. We're not going to get to this today. And it says there, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. How do you know they're dogs and they're swine? How do you know they're dogs and swine? You got to judge. So Jesus right here in his own message, just a few verses later, saying, yeah, there is some judgment that you need to make. But you're keeping that to yourself as you listen and you hear uh, as to what they're saying. I mean, I remember when I first got saved, I, I was in my car. I, I used to get nine tapes from John MacArthur and keep listening to them, okay? And I'd run out because I'm not a salesman. I'm on the road all day long. And, I, and before you know it, the week is over. And so I put on this radio thing, and I had this guy who was on a Christian radio station. I went, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I was able to judge this man is not a believer. And he's on the Christian radio station. Just by what the things that he was saying. He was a king's house or something else. I don't remember what it was. But that's the way it is, folks. You've got to be able to discern those things. Again, we see in uh, Luke, I mean, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 15. For me, it's just the other side of the page. And it says there in Matthew 7, 15, it says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. You need to be able to know the false teacher. You need to be able to know the person who is going to take you down the wrong path. Dear friend, this week he even sent me a, a tape. Not that I would say that they are a false teacher, but some of the things that they're saying are not correct. They, get, they got into psychology and all kinds of other things, and I went, whoa, man, I got, keep me out of that. I, I want to be right here. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to I spend my time, not in psychology, and who cares what Freud has to say? <laughs> Freud was a God-hater. Why would I want to follow anything he has to say? You need judgment. So that judgment needs to be the right kind of judgment. John 7.24 says this, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So a biker comes in the church and he's got his, you know, and he's got his tats on. I don't judge that man. Come in the church. We want you in the church. I want you to sit next to me. Once I, and my wife will tell you, I had this counseling situation and their car wouldn't start. It was nine o'clock at night here at Grace Church. I said, come home with me and stay with us. You would have me come to your house? Why not? Why not? Are you going to kill me in my sleep? <laughs> I'm going to heaven. <laughs> Come to my house. After that, I got to tell you, the counseling was boom, like that. It was so, because he trusted me. He and his wife, they trusted us. They used to invite us out to their house as well. Beware. Turn with me to 1 John 4, 1. Do not judge according to appearance, folks. Be careful about that. And for you men who are in seminary and you're going to go to a church and you're going to go out to the middle of the desert, 
You don't have to have everybody in the middle of the desert dress like we do at Grace Community Church. And the reason I bring that up is because I had a friend who went out to a church in the desert, and he said everybody has to wear a jacket and a tie. Uh, if they come, oh, were you serious? I want to have my boots on, they, like they do in Texas. I, I, I want to have my button-down shirt. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. They're here to worship God. Who cares what they have on or don't? But uh, 1 John 4.1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's a warning for all of us, folks. We have to be careful about what we take in, what we listen to, what we hear, because it has a profound effect on your heart, has a profound effect on your thinking. And so make sure you're taking in the right kind of stuff. God's Word. Galatians 2.11, you want to see real, profound uh, judgment? You remember the story. Peter is in Galatia, and he's eating, guess what? Bacon. <laughs> and he's enjoying it. Whoa, I didn't know. And he's enjoying all of this stuff. Guess what? Jewish people come in and he stops and he removes himself from the Gentiles. What? Are you serious? Are you serious? 2.11 it says, And when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Yeah, if he's doing something that's not biblical, definitely oppose him. Definitely. You should get in his face. Paul made a judgment there, folks. So yes, we are to keep judging, but judging with the right purpose. And that is to lift my brother up, lift my sister up. It's not to tear down. It's not to find all of the minuscule little faults that they have. And I know none of you would ever do that. But if you're talking to somebody about this, there should be no wholesale condemnation, folks. No wholesale condemnation against discerning what is good and evil. We should be able to say, this is not good. Pastor John, a few years ago, made one little statement. He's asked a question about this woman preacher. Remember? Yeah, puts a smile on some of your faces. And asks about this one particular person, and he says, go home. <laughs> He's had so much flack from that. But, but ladies and gentlemen, I, I've read these scriptures backwards, forwards. Uh, yeah, backwards when I read the Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> forwards the rest of the time, okay. And I'm looking at it, I'm going, but that's what the scriptures say. That's what the scriptures say. I've got to call the other other week, and, and somebody asked me, well, was well, it wrong for women to, to take uh, the offering? I don't know. It doesn't say anything in, about the offering in here of women taking it or not taking it. I says, what's the culture of your church? You, you want to make sure that people are going to agree with that. What about a woman getting up and praying at church? 
doesn't say anything here. It just says teaching. Could a woman ever get to teaching when she's praying? You would never have a woman do that, would you, dear? <laughs> I love her. <clears throat> yeah, that could happen, but that's not going to be the norm. Why the warning not to judge then? Let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Why the warning not to judge? Uh, that's a good question. I know what's on your minds. I can tell. I'm looking at you. The question marks are right over your head telling me that they want to know. Friends, Jesus is telling you when you hear something or even see something, you are to judge the person mercifully. Judge the person mercifully. Phil Johnson and I are in India. I forgot what city we were in, maybe Hyderabad. Oh, no, we were down at the coast in Madras, in, in Chennai. And uh, we're, we're teaching pastors. We're doing it outdoors, actually. It was kind of neat. It was on the beach called Golden Beach. And uh, this pastor asks a question, okay? And, and he makes a couple of statements, and we're, we're trying to figure out what exactly does that mean? And he says something really awful. And Phil and I look at one another because neither of us really want to answer it. And we both almost simultaneously go like this. <laughs> In other words, don't answer it. Do you know what the question was? How do you keep your women in line? Do you beat them like we do here in India? How do you answer that? You can't answer it either way. It's wrong. So we just moved on to the next thing. I sat down and I had lunch with him. And I wanted to ask some questions to get to know the man. First of all, I said, so oh, you're a pastor. Did you have education? Oh, yeah. Where did you get your education? He told me where he got his education. I knew right away. He had a liberal education in one of the institutes that was there in India. And I asked him some other questions, and I came to the conclusion, not that I said it to him, he's not a believer. He's not a believer, because the only way you would have that kind of a conclusion is that you would be an unbeliever to ask that kind of question. I didn't say or put it in his face or, or any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to hear what he had to say. And you know what? The next time I got up, Chris Williams came up to me and says, Bill, can you preach the gospel? I said, well, you didn't ask me to do that. You asked me to do this. Bill, can you preach the gospel? Because we know he needs to hear it. He needs to hear it. So on the spot, I just picked up the Bible and we started to preach the gospel. Because that man needed to hear it. That there were unbelievers even there. As pastors that would ask that kind of a question. Be merciful. I mean, there could have been, Phil and I could have looked at one another and jumped on this guy. I don't think we wanted to do that, not in front of all these other pastors. But we spoke to him as best we could and tried to find out more about the situation. Folks, we're going to look at this passage. We've got three warnings here, three warnings. I'm going to give them all to you right now, and then we'll repeat them here and there. But there are three warnings here in this passage 
introduce God. First, it's to, to introduce God as the ultimate judge. Introduce God as the ultimate judge. That's who's the ultimate judge. It's not me. It's not you. We see that in verse 1. Invite no condemning judgment. We see that in verses 2 and 3. Initiate informed self-judgment. Initiate informed self-judgment. We see that in verses 4 and 5. First, God is the judge of all mankind. Keep that in mind. Not you. Not the person who may be judging you. They're not the judge of mankind. We need to introduce that into our thinking when we're thinking about judging somebody. We need to keep that in our mind. We, we want to take judgmentalism out of the picture, but put the fact of God's judgment in the picture. In other words, take out that exercise that we like to do, and we do do it, folks, of judging others. Judgmentalism must introduce the fact of God's judgment. And so put that in there. He's the only true, honest, pure, perfect judge. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Remember God's mercy on you. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. Today we're, we're celebrating Christ's risen person from the grave. He won the victory. He made you alive indeed. God will judge us based on our lives. On how we express our hearts in our acts of judgment towards others. Yeah, he's going to do that. Where is he going to do that? 2 Corinthians 5.10. If you want to just jot it down, you can. But 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Folks, Jesus Christ has already judged us. He's taken away our sin. So what is this? What, what kind of judgment is this? And, and, and folks, this is what I believe that this is saying here. That those things of judgment that you have against other people, that high standard that you may have for other people, God's going to hold that against you at the judgment seat. Yeah. Yeah. He's already taken care of all of the implications of our sin at the cross. We've already been redeemed. We've already been expiated our sins, all of that kind of stuff. What God wants is for you to display His grace towards others. Towards others. You know, moms and dads sometimes come in about their teenage son or teenage daughter and they're doing this and doing that. And they're always haranguing those kids. Love them. Now, I, I know that that may not win them. Um, I, I would, as much as possible, try to get them in the church, obviously, all of those kinds of things. But display grace, not judgmentalism. Display grace. Something else to keep in mind. It's nearly impossible for human judgment to be totally impartial. 
I mean, I have a lot of things that are in my background, my, my life growing up and all of that kind of stuff. Some aspect of your life or your behavior will influence your judgment. And I thought of this even this morning, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. It says, do not go on passing the judgment until the time comes and the Lord reveals the motives of men's hearts. I thought about that this morning and I said, this is, this is appropriate for this message. Do not go on passing the judgment until the time comes and the Lord reveals the motives of men's hearts. Do you know what reveals the motives of a man's heart? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to pierce bone and marrow, able to get to the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Not Bill Shannon, not anybody else, but the Word of God does that. And so I, I need to use the Word to put that on their life. Let them understand, even for that teenage son who's, who's running wild, you know what? Where you're headed. I can tell you where you're headed. It's not just the wide road. It's the road to destruction. And, and I need to warn him about that, but at the same time, not always pick on every little thing about him. His underwear or his dirty shoes or his clothes or whatever it is. Folks, win him to Christ. Jesus Christ is calling us to have discerning judgment. Discerning judgment. Not hypocritical, not hypercritical um, kind of judgment. But to have discerning judgment. The man or woman of God is who is discerning, is examining the truth and being constructive in their approach. I, I, with, with ever, whenever it came to my children, was always, how can I do that better? How can I correct them better? How can I bring this to their heart, not just to their body? Okay, I, I want to be able to correct them so that they understood the work of God. And for some of you, you know what I used to do, and I'm going to try to do this quickly. I used to bring a whiteboard into their bedroom. I used to write whatever sin it was that was on the board, found a scripture that went with that, okay? Took care of the duty of what a, 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 pass, a, a, a parent is supposed to do in spanking them. That, of course, they confessed. And then we'd erase the board. And then explain to them, God takes care of your sin when you ask for forgiveness. And I used to tell them, you know what, come to me before I even find out. Because you know what day that is? That's grace day. I don't have to then spank you because you realize what you did was wrong. What we're doing there is doing exactly what we're supposed to do as adults. Go to him immediately and confess it. Be constructive in your approach towards the raising of your children. The warning that Jesus is giving here is, is one who, who wants to point out every little action done. That's what the, the, the judge is doing. They want every little thing, they're picky, 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 picky. You're under the watchful eye of the judge. The judge is just waiting to find some fault. And they want to jump on you. Because you fell short of perfection in their eyes. One commentator said this, Christian interpersonal judgments must be constructive, not retributive. You, the, the foolish, self-appointed, omniscient judge of humanity, 
will one day stand before the real judge of humanity, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What are you going to say at that moment? Well, you had the standard up here, but you've been living down here. So on one short thought, take care of your own unrighteousness before addressing other people. Take care of your own sin before addressing people. I have an example. I'm going to go through it as quickly as possible. This is the person who says, well, Lord, I didn't know that being unhappy with my brother and sister because he didn't say hello to me that day was a big deal to you. You know, we can say that. You could be unhappy because your brother and sister didn't call you, okay, didn't recognize you or that kind of thing. Then God said, have you not read? I know he's going to say that in heaven. Have you not read? This is what Jesus said when he was here. Romans 2. Just listen to this. Verses 1 through 3. Jot it down. You have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, and we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do not suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God. Now, that comes right after Romans 1, okay, where, where God says He gave them over, He gave them over. And now he's going to just the little things that you're passing judgment on. Maybe these are not completely immoral things like in Romans 1. But still there is still a morality to it in a sense. So that's point number one. And I've got just a little bit of time here. Last week I said I wasn't uh, afraid or worried about, you know, Brad coming in late, I'll say it again. Uh, the second warning, invite no condemning judgment. Matthew 7, 2 and 3. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be judged to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, and you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? This, again, is a, uh, is a warning that should catch our hearts. There's an awful sense of judgment on oneself. The judgmental activity of those judging need to see the the outcome will be greater judgment on them for their activity. Here's an important point. Please hear this. In some situations, you find the faults of others that are already resident in your own life. But you can't control yourself. And you can't wait to tell that person what they're doing is wrong there. You want to point out their faults. You know why? Because you hate it in yourself. But you just don't know how to overcome it. Our text here. Both individuals are sinners. How do we know that? One has a speck in his eye, the other one has a log in his eye. They're both sinners. The speck is a fault, but the person is able to function. You know, it's just a little thing there. It may be annoying, but it's there and you can still function. The log is a terrifying picture of undealt with faults that just keep being added on and on and on and on, growing even if you want to put it in those terms. 
The self-righteous fault finder must keep in mind that he or she also can expect judgment. But judgment of the perfect judge, God. How do I know that? Uh, Matthew 6, we're going to stay right in the Sermon on the Mount, 14 and 15. It says there, for if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. I, I like to use First Peter 4, 8, uh, uh, let love cover a multitude of sins. You can do that to a certain degree when, until the covers are thrown off, so to speak. You need to then deal with it. The standard of judgment you apply to others will be applied to you. Please hear that. The standard of judgment you apply to others will be applied to you by God. God will judge people by standards no less strict than those that are judging other people. Your attitude and your thinking need to be the ultimate prospect that you will be standing before the divine judge. How would you want the judge to see you? Would you like the judge to see you as gracious and merciful and kind? Or would you rather have him find you harsh, condemning? I, I know what I would want him to see me as. Beloved, there is a human inclination, though. Condemn the faults of others, whether they be real or supposed more harshly than you do your own. Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log in your own eye? A few weeks ago, we looked at the job of the ophthalmologist. You remember we had brought that up, the ophthalmologist back there in 6, 22 and 23. Now the work here is a, of a hypocrite eye doctor. And he's at work so willing to find the speck in his brother's eye, but unwilling to look at the log in his own eye. The log of self-condemnation is huge, but he can't see it. Folks, it's not that he can't see it. He doesn't want to see it. Just to give you a clear picture, the speck spoken of here, and there's a lot of debate about it, it's not just a dust particle, but it's probably a little splinter of wood or straw or something like that that's in the eye. The log, folks, that is a beam, is actually the beam that is holding the house together kind of beam. I mean, you can't miss it. I mean, if, if you don't have it, you don't have a house. You know, it's just not there. It, there's a, a very significant difference. The hypocrite eye doctor comes along and wants to help you with the spectrum of wood that's in your eye. Here, let me get that out of your eye. Yet the self-righteous eye doctor is unwilling. Unwilling. As the text says, notice the log that is in your own eye. He's unwilling to take care of it. Here is the warning. Invite no condemning judgment upon yourself that is unnecessary. It's not necessary. Do not be a hypocrite. Stop inspecting everybody else. Take care of you. Some folks, oh, I didn't see so-and-so at church today. I didn't see so-and-so at church today. I didn't see the... 
folks, I, I know there is a time that you've missed church, and church doesn't get you saved anyway. The third warning here is the initiate informed self-judgment. Initiate informed self-judgment. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This kind of person, not unlike many, is not self-aware. They don't look at themselves. They don't take account of themselves. They see the faults and foibles of others, but they don't look at themselves. It's much easier to point out the shortcomings of others than to look at oneself in the mirror of God's Word and be convicted. That's so much easier. The attention to others' faults can become a full-time occupation even. Remember the man who I talked about his criticism. While the inspection of one's own heart before the Lord is ignored, the first thing to deal with is self, folks. Deal with yourself. Take that huge plank out of your eye. It's made its home in your eye. Remove that obstacle so that you can see clearly. When you first remove that plank out of your eye, you can then attempt to help your brother or your sister. If you have a sincere desire to help your brother, it means that you have a deep, sincere desire to deal with self. That's what it means. The speck still remains for your brother, but take care of your own heart first. You must initiate informed self-judgment. I'm going to try to summarize this because we are at the witching hour, so to speak. Paul, in a sense, summarizes this in his text of Romans 14, 10 through 12. He says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of you, each one of us, will give an account of himself to God. Make sure when you are doing judgment that you have the right information. Make sure that you are biblically informed. Make sure you are biblically taking care of your sin first. And then you can be biblically directed to help others. Let's close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it inspects our heart and how we are to uh, look at our heart. And as it says in Proverbs 4.23, to be watchful of our heart, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is... Um, a blessing. And today I pray, Lord God, is a blessing to all of us. In your name, amen.